With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Alex Contreras on the mic alongside Eli Sussman. Welcome back to another episode of Marlins Barbecue. Sadly, our fish have been eliminated from the postseason, but that's okay, man. All of South Florida is proud of you. All of Marlins Nation super proud of you guys. And what more can I say, Eli? Welcome to the barbecue. It's not the ending we expected, but we're happy with it. We can live with it. That's the buzzword that I think everybody's been passing around, how proud everybody feels about what happened this year. I mean, expectations were relatively low, especially a couple days into the season when everything went haywire. I mean, I, I'm I'm the first one that would tell you that I didn't see much of all going right for the team after they got back from their hiatus, right, because of the outbreak. And what they achieved is it surpassed everybody's expectations, a lot of fun, easy guys to root for, and they're set up pretty well moving forward. That's what we're all especially excited about is how many players they can bring back for next year, how many guys you expect to be even better over a full season of development than they were in their rookie years or, or however they were in 2020 that, uh, yeah, things are pointing up. Things are moving in the right direction. How you doing? How you feeling? I'm feeling amazing, man. We're on a, on a, on express lane on this whole rebuild. Like we were, I think we're like a year and a half advanced, you know, the team has, it, it wasn't the ideal situation at the beginning of the season. We got hit with the COVID and all that. Everybody knows the story. But how beautiful was it to see these guys come together, uh, jump all these obstacles and, and show that why not us, man? And they really did it. And like for one second, dude, it really started to feel like we were watching like the movie Major League, dude. I was like, oh, can the Marlins really do this? Like everybody's who the hell are these guys? Right. And like all of a sudden, like you got a, a, a guy you can count on like a James Hoyt. We would never expected a James Hoyt to be joining our team. Richard Blair, you know what I'm saying? Richard Blair came over. He's doing a great job from the left hand side. A great option out of our bullpen donnie baseball pushed all the buttons you know to a certain extent yeah the times there were times that we would get upset with him as fans because eventually we all want to win right that's we, that's the ultimate goal to bring the championship back home to south florida where it belongs but damn they brought so much joy to us to this whole fan base for the first time what 16 17 years dude i was in freaking middle school now i'm an adult i can really enjoy it have some brews it's like yeah man And that's exactly what like the whole sport is aiming for kind of is to keep a kind of drought like this. They don't want any team to go through this kind of drought, no matter how bad the ownership is, no matter how much bad luck is going against you, you know, everybody should have a path to at least getting into October if they do some things right. And um, that's going to be a big question for like the league moving forward is what the playoffs look like. Cause we know this year they improvised. That wasn't the plan heading into the spring training to have 16 teams and eight, for each league getting in. And uh, I wonder how that's going to be moving forward. You know, the, uh, you guys have been, you and Red, and I, I'd include myself, we've been critical of Rob Manfred for a lot of the decisions he's made, a lot of what he's done. Um, but this decision to expand the playoffs just a little bit, um, I, I think it worked out pretty well in terms of getting teams like the Marlins in. 
But uh, also, as we get down to it, as we're recording this, only four teams remaining left in World Series contention, the Rays, the Dodgers, the Astros, the Braves. And, you know, with one exception there, you know, that, those are four pretty elite, three pretty elite teams and, and one not so elite team, one that everybody's rooting against. Uh, I think ultimately things are the expectations for the season and how things could have gone wrong for the league as a whole, you know, the doubt about even making it through the year. Uh, we've put together a season as a sport in general that I think is pretty representative of, you know, what these teams are. It's pretty legit. I think that's, that's a big thing, a big milestone, being able to put together a legit season in the middle of the pandemic when there was so much working against everybody to get that yep. done. We paid, I mean, we played 60 games in the season. That was the regular season this year. Um, we adapted to the reality of things. And, like, you know what? It was cool because right off the rip, everybody was excited for baseball. It was like, all right, we're in a playoff race right out the gate. And, you know, like, that's exciting as a baseball fan. I don't think it's going to work for a 162-game season. I don't think we should have uh, so many teams in it. But if they do go that route, the one thing I would like to see is, hey, you know, the wild card game, let's make it a one game. You know, uh, and then the next round, uh, the division series, let's make it the three game. And the next round, let's make it a five and then a seven. You know what I'm saying? Something like that kind of sounds cooler to me. But we don't have to see so many games. I mean, I don't really complain about seeing many games, man. I actually love watching all these games. The one rule I didn't really dig was the extra inning rule. You know, like it was like uh, it always came back and bit you in the butt, dude. And it kind of sucked. It was cool. Yeah, the games ended a lot quicker, man. But I'm old school mentality guy, man. Free baseball. And you know what I'm saying? Si el juego pelota, pica y se extiende, like Jose Luis Napoli says. You know what I'm saying? So I'm all about that. And uh, as far as the teams that are left in World Series contention, I don't know about you guys, but there's only two teams that I don't want to see them win. I don't want to see the Braves win, and I don't want to see the Astros win. All right? I, I know that I've been talking smack to the Braves, and rightfully so, because they're always talking that crap. All right. But how funny is it that they got their ass whooped the other day by the Los Angeles Dodgers? Right. It was uh, 11 runs in the first inning, 12 runs in the second. It was like, yo, it was crazy. It was like 12 runs total and there was only second inning. So, you know what? It felt good to see the Dodgers wake up and punch them in the mouth, dude, because that game two, those guys, they woke up in the ninth inning, bro. They were shitting bricks on the mound in the ninth with two outs. They had the Max Muncie home run, the two-run shot. Then they hit a triple by Bellinger. Like, yo, dude, that was fun. That was exciting. That's the type of baseball that you like to see. And it was fun to see even more because the Braves, it was right. The, it was about to blow up in their face. And I was like, you know what? They're down 2 nothing, but the Dodgers are going to come out, and they're going to take these guys by storm. And by golly, they did. They woke their ass up, and they took it to the Braves. And don't get me started on the Rays, man, because the Rays, woo, the Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays, I can't believe I'm saying this, are eternal in-state rivals, the Citrus Champs, you know, they took it to the fish this year. They've been taking it to the fish the past couple of years. And the only thing that Marlins fans can really say to the Rays fans is, hey, we got two championships, but you know what? It's fucking time for you guys to get over the hump, bring a championship to Florida, and make everybody proud. It doesn't matter if the Rays face the Dodgers, if they face the Braves. I hope that they can take it to them and punch them in the freaking face. Well, so this is where I'm coming from a little bit with the Braves. That's a team, as someone that we're following the Marlins, and we know that at this moment in time, these things are kind of cyclical. They can depend on the individual players involved and the drama involved. But at this moment, you would have to say that the number one rival for the Marlins is the Braves. And so on one hand, if, if the Braves really drive you crazy, if especially Ronald Acuna Jr., he drives you crazy, 
you uh, you want to see them fall on their face. Um, I understand that stance of it. The other way is um, if they're t- well, one they're the team that knocked out the Marlins, and you uh, I guess it makes you feel a little bit more justified about this season if the Braves have success in the later rounds to make you understand that the Marlins just went through. Uh, you, you could tip your hat to a team that is a more complete team and a more experienced team, but the way I see it is. I think it would be a great wrinkle in the rivalry if the Braves went all the way. You know, they won a World Series. And you, if you head into next year, you play them 19 times next year, and they're the reigning world champs. And the kind of way that motivates the Marlins to keep getting better motivates the players because you, you're going to play the Rays next year. They actually open up opening day 2021. That's Marlins and the Rays. So that'd be that'd be pretty cool too to open up against the reigning champs. But the Braves are the team that you're going to be going up against every single year, playing them more than any other team. And with this Marlins front office, I mean, they've, they've done a lot of good things, laying the foundation to a consistent contending team. But when there's eventually going to need to be that extra kick that motivates them to really put together a star players, to put together a championship contending team, because they're not there yet. You know, you could be happy about what they did this year, but they're not – Yet at that, they haven't taken that step, and I don't know early signs. I don't know how aggressive they're going to be to put together a championship team. If you have a rival in your own division that's on the top of the mountain, I feel like that'd be an important motivator. That'd be a great intrigue all of next year. If you're playing six series against the reigning world champs, I I'm kind of interested in seeing that kind of drama. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Rays got a better shot. I think the Dodgers are probably going to win the series over the Braves, even though they fell behind 0-2 initially. But I I would not be upset if the Braves, you know, go all the way. I think that'd be fun entertainment moving forward. Had a career year in many respects, albeit with a 60-game schedule. Hits one into right, and this one is gone. Freddie Freeman shoots one out to right. His family's excited, his dugout's excited, and the Braves strike first in the NLCS. I think this is when, this is perfect that you're on the show right now because you and me are like day and night, and I would absolutely hate for the Braves to finally get over the hump for the first time since 1995, dude. Like, come on, man. These guys are like, oh, we got so many pennants, we got so many division titles, and then what, dude? At the end of the day, it's all about the championships you win. And if you've only had three World Series titles in Braves history, and I'm not talking about the Boston Braves. I'm talking about all of them and put together, Boston Braves, Atlanta Braves, all that. And I don't want to see these guys win it because you know what? They're going to, the ego is going to go through the roof. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be redonkulous. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, like the Nats, yeah, the Nats came out of nowhere and won it last year. And, you know, I, I'll admit it. I kind of low key rooted for the Nats because they finally, they got over the hump, right? I was happy because they got over the hump and won the World Series. They got rid of Loria, just like we got rid of Loria. So, you know what I'm saying? They finally got the hump out the back and, and, and I'm happy for them. But, like, imagine, like, out of the the teams in our division, dude, you don't ever want to see the Braves win it. You don't want to see the Mets win it. The Phillies, like, you saw the Phillies when they won it. They they were cool. You know what I'm saying? They didn't. They weren't so egocentric. They weren't so wild with it and obnoxious. But you know what, dude? I just I, – I, I'm going to stop the hate. Just go Rays. Punch them in the mouth. Punch them in the mouth for all the South Florida, for all the Florida proud. Make them proud, Rays. Go out there and win the whole damn thing. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's fun to have bragging rights over all the other teams in the division. 
although their fan base is in the division because all those guys to a different extent whether it's the especially actually not so much the Nationals. see i can understand why uh people were on board with the nationals because uh, their fan base isn't necessarily at that same level of intensity as the mets as the phillies as the braves so i can understand that from a certain standpoint how why this is a different situation than last year and you know what i'm sorry to cut you off but going back to the series against the braves like we had some unfortunate luck dude we we were going in there banged up you know like we lost a big piece to this team sterling Marte, who interestingly enough has an option on the table i think it's around 12 million dollars and the marlins got to decide are we going to pick this up or are you going to let him go for a million dollars and i know that these guys aren't going to let him go you guys want to resign a guy like sterling Sterling Marte, who came into this team and made an immediate impact, dude, with his bat, with his glove, with his speed, with his presence in the clubhouse. Like, this is a guy that you want to help have around these younger cats and keep helping them evolve as professionals, dude. The way that they came together, Miguel Rojas is taking it to another level, rightfully so. Like, he's earned every single, like, respect of everybody in the clubhouse, outside the clubhouse. Like, he's wearing that Marlin pride and, and that's good to see, bro. You want to see guys embrace that uniform, and they're proud to rock out that uniform. Yeah, and, I mean, the Marlins are, are in, we already mentioned up the top, they're in a good place because they don't actually have that many big decisions in terms of if they want to run back the team next year. Most of those guys are under team control. They're under contracts. I mean, they got really fortunate with Rojas. Rojas, if they hadn't extended him, he would be heading into free agency this year, coming off a really great year. But they were able to figure that out beforehand, and they got pretty lucky with that. Um, yeah, with Marte, a couple guys that I'd like to see like extended for sure. And we've been talking about this all season. Hashtag PayBA. Brian Anderson missed a three-run home run, three-game home run. I'm sorry, three-game home run. All right, like Brian Anderson, dude. He's really evolved into a leader in this clubhouse as well. I love to see him. I love to see Miguel Rojas. How they embrace this whole thing, dude. They really brought into Derek Jeter's plan, Bruce Sherman's plan, the front office's plan, and a guy that we can't forget about that needs an extension, who's going to be in charge of all these decisions, is Mike freaking Hill. Huh? He finally, he's finally been able to just work, worry about baseball, not have to worry about some dumbass making dumb, boneheaded decisions because, hey, I don't know. I'm just, I want to be like Joyce Steinbrenner. And I'm talking about Loria. Take a hike, you bum. Stay over there in France or wherever you're at. Well, he, I mean, it wasn't an easy year. Even with Laurie out the way, this would have to be one of the more stressful years of his career because of what he had to deal with right after opening day, you know, replacing yeah, the roster. But, but isn't, it cool, isn't it cool for, your, for your, your boss to tell you, Derek Jeter, to tell you, hey, go ahead, Mike, let's make these moves, work with Gary Dembo, and you guys can just worry about baseball operations. Like, all of a sudden, like, oh, you know what? Imagine Laurie just is like, oh, I want to sign this guy. I want to sign that guy. And it has nothing to do with our game plan. He's just spending money. Just, oh, I just want, I want him because I want him. He'll have a, another case of a John Buck. Right. And I mean, if you look at the success rate that he had on those guys, he added like, right, you know, right at the last minute, he did a pretty great job. There was players he called up that they weren't expecting to call up. They called up the Italian stallion, Daniel Castano, uh, right when that happened. And Castano had a great rookie year for them totally off the map, the trades that they made, getting James Hoyt. James Hoyt, only, he went like a month and a half without allowing a run out of the bullpen. He, great like situational pitcher that they now have him, you know, for a long time if they want to hold on to him. Yeah, Richard, they made that Richard Blyard trade right in that moment as well, and he showed up some pretty good stuff. He's going to be around. 
for a while. And the uh, yeah, they were real impressive with that. So with Hill is his contract is up at the end of this month. You know, it's not even at the end of this year. It's before the off season really gets fully started. And I think as, as we're recording, this is just a couple of weeks, you know, this information uh, with front office executives, it's not as publicly available as with the players. Right. And we don't have all the specifics about exactly what his salary is, but my expectation is that he was paid pretty well by Loria and that if they're going to renegotiate his deal, that, Maybe they want to hold on to him, of course, but not necessarily at the same salary that he was making beforehand. And I, I think that's what the holdup is. But otherwise, there's not really much of a question that he should be back and he should be back for the next few years because he's he knows the organization inside and out. He seems to have respect of everybody, seems to work really well with Jeter directly. So it's uh, not much of a question. Uh, I think that's what they're waiting on with the Marlins because, you know, uh, it's now been a, a week since the season ended and they haven't yet had that cool down session, that full press conference recapping the year, what went right, what went wrong, what their plans are. I, my suspicion is that they're waiting to finalize his contract before doing that because uh, as as of this moment, they haven't even scheduled anything when they're going to have that conversation. I imagine uh, that's the first order of business is working out that new deal for him. That it sounds ideal to us. It sounds ideal to you, to me, to all of Martin's nation. Uh, I think maybe with the exception of a few people that could say that they didn't like Mike Hill's job. But I mean, would it be weird or or could it ca- catch us off guard if maybe all of a sudden the front office says, "Hey, you know what? We're going a different round. They get rid of Mike Hill." I know that was a hell of a curveball I threw at you. <laughs> it's definitely. A, I mean, it's a possibility. Um, I just can't think of an obvious – if they do that, it's usually when there are some obvious real big shot future GM candidates that are out there. So with, with these guys, with the current ownership group, you always look for Yankee connections because they've done that before. Uh, one of their other big execs right now, Gary Denbo. Gary Denbo who's now the VP of scouting and player development. He came from the Yankees after many years. Uh, they had that, that other executive that his name is escaping me right now that just joined last year and was pretty instrumental in making some of these trades as well, a really analytically heavy guy. I'll have his name uh, on the website when we put up this episode, but it's, it's even more than that. Of course, uh, James Rousen, who everyone was excited about, he got the start of his coaching career in the Yankees organization. Dave Dombrowski is still out there, former Marlins GM way back in the day, but uh, he's pretty far along in his career, and I don't see him being, you know, an upgrade over what Mike Hill does. Uh, Actually, I, mean, I believe well, Dave Dabrowski. I'm sorry to cut you off. I believe Dave Dabrowski is being involved with a with a group that's trying to bring Major League Baseball to uh, Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. So whenever Major League Baseball is deciding to try to expand that, I don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, but that's the last I heard of Mr. Dabrowski. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head. It's something I'll have to look closer to the longer this delay goes on. Uh, like I said, I think that's really what the only delay is in communication with the team is that they want to, you know, actually settle the Mike Hill situation before, you know, addressing us about what the plan is for the organization. They actually have to have everybody in place if they're going to talk about what the future is looking like. And I, I expect him to come back. But uh, the longer we go on, the more I got to look at what some of the outside candidates are. Because the one thing that Mike Hill – um, doesn't do quite as much as the typical GM is he's not someone that is really uh, like a hundred percent like wedded to analytics and how exactly those are used to make decisions 
but he's brought in guys underneath him in the front office that handle that. They seem to be collaborating well together. So that's, that's always some interesting decision, not just in baseball, but in a lot of companies, when you look at one of the leaders in your front office, um, uh, what exactly you want from that guy, whether you want him to be someone that has expertise in all these different areas or one that is just good at working as a team, you know, one that's good at collaborating with other people and one that uh, gets everybody comfortable and gets everybody motivated. And uh, clearly he knows baseball inside and out has a lot of scouting backgrounds and he played way back in the day. And the fact that he's been with the Marlins for so long, uh, it, at, given what he accomplished, especially this year with some of the deals that he pulled off. Uh, yeah. I think the expectation now is that he's going to be back and uh, we expect Starling Marte to be back. Uh, Brandon Kinsler, he has a club option in his contract too. It's about $4 million. He had a pretty good year, seemed to fit in really well. And Mattingly had a lot of trust in him, which is probably the most important part because Mattingly is still under contract. So if Mattingly is going to be here, and I expect Kinsler to stay here at the price that they got him at. Um, really, their biggest free agent, in my opinion, is Brad Boxberger. Brad Boxberger, who was at times their second best reliever in their pen, right up there with Gimme. And um, I'd say he, he pitched some really important innings, even ahead of like James Hoyt. Uh, Boxberger was a guy that they got for, uh, they just took a flyer on him. He had a long career, and then his career kind of nosedive, and he reestablished himself this year. So, He's if they're going to bring him back, he's going to be due for a pretty decent raise over what he was. He was earning like a million dollars this year, but uh, he could probably get more going back into free agency. But I mean, all things considered, if you know a setup man is your biggest free agent, then uh, you're feeling pretty good about you know bringing back the same caliber team that you had in 2020. Real quick, switching it up, man. Talking about the the great job James Ross and our, our hitting coach has done for the Miami Marlins. Same thing we can say about Mel Sotomayor, how he how he got these young guys and really got them to hit top levels, right? And and continue to evolve, progress as professionals. Um, one 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 guy that I would love to see be brought in. We had Brian Schneider. He was a catching coach for us a couple of years back, and I know that he did marvels for JT Realmuto back in the day when he played it as a Marlin. And the catching coach right now uh, is Eddie Rodriguez and uh, Koji Tanaka. And uh, you know what? Uh, I believe Koji is a bullpen catcher. But what I'm trying to get at, man, is we need to get somebody that's going to get this into the head of Alfaro to, to help his framing out better behind the plate. Because I'm a big Wally fan, rightfully so. Wally was going to be the, the backup catcher coming into this year. We signed Francisco Cervelli. Cervelli saw our hearts. You guys know the whole story. And um, now we're in the playoffs, and we had Wally behind the plate because he does a great job framing. He does a good job handling the, the, the pitching rotation and the staff. Right. But why can't we push that out of, out of Jorge Alfaro? Like we need a mind. We need somebody to grab young boy and be like, yo, come on. Like he's got to take it to heart this whole off season. There's no way that you got to be sitting out of the, the, you got to be rocking the bench because you're not doing a good job framing. Like we need that bat. And like when he did step in, like he wasn't like, he was thinking too much. Like, you know, like we just need him to be Jorge Alfaro and we can start chanting hip, hip, Jorge. And he can start hitting fingers opposite field base hits. You know, he can start producing and like, he has a cannon of a arm. He has a cannon of a arm, and like he can do a great job behind that plate. We just gotta work on that framing. And Eddie, Eddie Rodriguez, my guy, I don't want you to think I'm coming at you. I just want you to like emphasize this on Jorge, bro, because we need the best out of Jorge Alfaro. If this team is gonna take the next step next year, because we want more. We're going out for more. We're not done. 
Well, I'll start with this, that if I was to make a bet, um, I would bet that Alfaro is not the main catcher next year. I think they're going to acquire somebody new because you you finished up on the right note. You know, they got to do more. They got to um, address that position. That was a weakness this year. And I don't think – Alfaro could be a lot better than it was this year. Obviously, the COVID knocked him off track. That's something you got to take into consideration. You know, those consequences are very unpredictable still, even as we're so far along in this pandemic. But that being said, I mean, even from his first season with the Marlins, there was a lot of inconsistency, both sides of the ball, both offensively and really especially offensively. And if, if some, who's ever catching is going to have to be in the lineup and is going to have to have a starting spot. And right now, I don't trust the offense of either of those guys, either Alfaro or Wallach. If I was to make a bet, I think they acquire somebody new, Alfaro gets pushed to be the backup. Wallach hangs around it in AAA as depth. And you really like having uh, three guys in that situation. The one guy that I'm focused on that I think is realistic for them to get in a trade is probably Christian Vasquez of the Red Sox. I, uh, I recorded a separate pod episode on my own about this. That you know, It's up here on the same podcast channel. If you just scroll down on the feed, you can find that episode where I finished off talking about Vasquez who's quietly been one of the best catchers in all baseball the last few years. His salary is pretty reasonable. The Red Sox are in a rebuild. They could really use some of the pitching prospects that the Marlins have. And uh, he's a guy that's still right in the prime of his career. And I think that's going to be a target for them. They can afford Real Muto. Honestly, I don't even know if they can afford James McCann. James McCann, who is also going to be a big free agent catcher. But I think they're going to do something. I don't think they're going to get rid of Eddie Rodriguez. You know, this was just his first year with the organization in this particular capacity on the major league staff. And I don't think they're going to bend over backwards to bring in a, a new catching coach just to work with Alfaro. Uh, Cause uh, I, I don't think Alfaro has, has made himself that big priority yet. People love Alfaro uh, for reasons that are, are, I guess that's fair because he's a really dynamic player when he, when he, when he squares up the ball, it doesn't come down. You know, some of his balls still haven't landed this year. He's fun to watch. He's got good style about him. And uh, he's, I mean, I have nothing but positive things to say about who he is as a person. I just, I don't think that's your main catcher on a team that you're really determined to go to the playoffs with. So that's the one area more so than anything else that I think they're going to be willing to make an investment on. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. This is just, uh, if I was to make a prediction that it's not going to be him on opening day, he could still be around in some capacity, he still has a lot of potential. And we saw this year was like the perfect example that even guys that get pushed into the backgrounds that you're not expecting much from, that uh, shit happens during the season and you get pushed into duty. It's next man up. And this year, if some of those like depth pieces, they didn't step up, the Marlins don't have the season that they had. So he's he still has a, a potential to be part of the future of the organization. But you need to uh, you need to build up that depth. You need to like really invest in the major league team if you're expecting to go far. Bring in guys that have had experience, that have had success. Christian Vasquez, World Series champ, just two years ago, uh, worked with a great pitching staff. He got screwed in 2020. The Red Sox made uh, really the worst pitching staff in the whole league, one of the worst pitching staffs we've ever seen with the Red Sox this year. And there's nothing he can do about that. Made him look bad, but I think. The Marlins, if, if they're going to be committed to improving this team and uh, making this a watchable product right now, they got opening day tickets on sale. If they want to sell those tickets, if they want people to really invest in this team, 
then they need to make that investment themselves in the payroll. Hell yeah. Some, some names looking into the free agent class uh, for the catchers. We got JT Realmuto, obviously. Robinson Chirino's 36 years old. He's a late bloomer. He's been hitting a lot more lately. Um, James McCann, you said it yourself. I don't know if Yaddy leaves the cards at all into free agency. That'll be crazy. Um, we got Roberto Perez, who had some highlight postseason her- uh, heroics a couple of years ago with the Indians. He's about 32 years old. Maybe he's a guy that can scoop away from the Indians. Who knows? Uh, another name that could possibly call an attention as a fan is a uh, uh, Jason Castro. You know, um, but what the hell do I know, man? That's why they got Mike Hill and everybody, and that's why they're fin- finalizing, negotiating that extension for Mike Hill, so he can go out there and he and I don't have to worry about this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I, st- I there's going to be some trades this offseason. It's just a numbers game. There's only so many guys you can squeeze on a roster, you need to carry a certain number of guys on the roster during the winter. Um, otherwise they're available to other teams and the Marlins. I mean, the complication is that they acquired all those new guys during the season and they're on the roster, but then you have other guys coming off the injured list and they need a spot. And those are where those decisions will need to be made. And they got uh, a surplus of actual major league players. So what they do is use some of those players in a trade. Some of those guys that don't necessarily have defined roles on your team, you send them to another team, really values them and i don't know whether that would be for a catcher i don't know whether that's going to be for another bat for another outfield bat uh, matt joyce is out of here and uh you didn't necessarily give them a whole lot Corey dickerson kind of disappointed this year so they still have room in those corner outfield spots to to add if they want to do it uh, in their bullpen too with the bullpen at times it was really solid but it wouldn't hurt to bring in someone else that has a lot of strikeout potential so there's going to be places where they could add, and they got the, um, the ammunition. They have the depth to trade from trade league rookie guys for veterans that are more established, for guys that have more on the resume. So I expect them to do that a little bit. What I wanted to get into with you on the pod is something that I wrote up on the site a few days ago, our 2020 Fishies Awards for what happened with the team this year, all the, the individual players that get a big shout out. I don't know if any of them are going to get these national awards this year, but we still got to remember the ones that had, um, that were really successful that made this fun ride possible that were riding the wave all the way to the playoffs and make sure we remember them. So I'm going to go through some of the picks that I had and we're going to hear what you got. And we start with the big one, which is the team MVP. So from, for this one, I went with, there was a few choices that are really neck and neck and neck for team MVP but I ultimately went with Pablo Lopez. He was the one guy on the starting rotation the entire year from start to finish. He, uh, he took that big step forward and, you know, he struggled a lot in 2019. He had a, a couple really rough individual games and he took a big step forward this year with just everything, like really controlling the game, very consistent with just a couple little exceptions. And he pitched a couple of the most important games during the entire year. That first game back from the COVID shutdown, he shut down the Orioles, and that was part of a shutout that put them on that great winning streak that uh, really put them in playoff position, and they never left because of the momentum they got from that game. And right as things were starting to get away from them, the final week of the year, remember they were in Atlanta. They lost three games in a row, a couple of them really ugly. It looks like they might give away this playoff spot that they were running out of steam. 
uh, sat through a really long rain delay in the final game of that series and came up on the mounds and he was shoving and he led them to a close victory over the Braves in that game. And that put them around the doorstep of making the playoffs. That was one time that it was a definite must win situation. And he stepped up for that. And I'm even wrapping it into the playoffs. You know, he made his playoff debut during the NLDS and uh, he didn't get any run support in that game, but he was really impressive his first time out on that big stage. He was, he was a, he's one of the leaders of this team. I don't know if he's necessarily the ace of this team moving forward, but just his full year, what he contributed this year, he gets my vote for team MVP. So this is where we go to you. Who comes to mind if you were to take out one player? Most valuable. Most valuable to me was Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson, he, he was a staple the number five hitter for the majority of the year. I think it was like 90% of the games was a number five hitter for Don Mattingly in the Miami Marlins. And he came together his, his bat, you know, he hit 11 home runs, 38 RBIs, you know, the average wasn't uh, beautiful, but he was getting the job done. He was pushing in runs across when this team really needed it. Um, so my vote goes down for Brian Anderson, hashtag pay BA, damn it. Oh, but hey, good, good follow up with the Cy Young. I'm going to follow up with the Cy Young. Um, I'm going with Pablo. I'm going with the MVP. I'm going with Pablo Lopez because Pablo Lopez, like you said, he was, he was the heart and soul of this rotation. Like he really took the ball. He, he was the, the guy with most innings pitched out of this whole rotation. And by far, I think he had maybe like 12 or 16 more innings pitched to the second guy behind him. I believe it was a uh, Sandy Alcantara. So it was cool to see Pablo come together this year, mature more as a man, as an individual, and as a professional, you know, um, he, he, we send out his condolences to his family. His father passed away earlier this year and he was stuck in the whole hotel room during the whole COVID thing. And like, he would think about his pops. He would talk about how he would go out there to the mound and, and just feel right. And that his pops was with him and he just wanted to make him proud. And like, you should be proud Pablo. Cause your dad left a hell of a man here on planet earth. You know what I'm saying? And like, he's proud of you and all of Martin's nation's proud of you and all of Venezuela is proud of you. And like, he did a hell of a job. I know Don Madeline is proud of him. And like next year, he's going to take it to another level. He's going to turn into a solid number two guy right behind Sandy Alcantara. One guy that I was disappointed that we didn't get to really see be with us the entire season because the injury bug caught him was Lilo Hernandez, Eliezer Hernandez, who was given a money. He was given a, a, a punch for punch, a run for his money to Pablo Lopez. Before he went down to the injury, I think Lilo Hernandez could have might possibly been our team Cy Young winner. That's a good one. I know you were you were on Team Lilo the entire year. I remember that. And yeah, team- we we had that bet, damn it, and the, the the injury defaulted the bet. But Lilo, we wish you a speedy recovery. Another guy we wish a speedy recovery to is Jose Urena. All right, yo, you pity Braves fans that were celebrating that he got hurt. That's pity, bro. You don't celebrate somebody getting hurt. Yeah, with with Jose, I don't. That's another possible goodbye. I mean, I mentioned on Twitter yesterday that it's official that Adam Connolly is officially out of the organization. They designated him for assignment at the trade deadline, but they still kept him. Uh, technically, you know, on, on paper, he was still a Marlin in September, and then right at the end of the season, he elected free agency. He's gone, and they're going to be in a similar situation with Urania because I don't know if he's one of the top five starters on the team heading into next year, but yet he's going to get a raise because he is arbitration eligible. He's going to be in the $4 million range. 
And um, even as someone that gets a lot of respect in that clubhouse, um, and he really does. I don't know if people know that, but I mean, the teammates really trust in him. And he's a guy that uh, you, you'll peel back that tough layer, that, that mean face, uh, that, you know, that attitude that he's a, he's a good guy. And so for that reason, they, I don't think it's a done deal that he's gone, but that's going to be a decision for them to make. And one that I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone after this year. So we'll see where that goes. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again, man. Jose Ureña, he's been the bulldog for this team. You know, I know what you're saying. I know where you're going, that there's a, a surplus of pitching on this team. He's a valuable guy. Other clubs, I know that you guys are listening to Mar- Marlins Barbecue. Other clubs are going to need a guy like Jose Ureña, okay? Because if you need a starter, Jose Ureña is your guy. If you need a guy coming out of the bullpen, he's your guy coming out of the pen. Like, Jose Ureña is a guy that, yeah, you talked about he's, he's got a mean face. He looks like a bulldog and everything. But you really, when I say bulldog, it's his work ethic, bro. Just going to see him in spring training uh, last year before the whole COVID thing struck, it was cool to see him talking to the guys, to the catchers, to the Sandy Alcantara, to the younger guys, and telling them, yo, we got to go out there. Like, don't let these guys punk us. We're going to go out there, and we're going to punk them. We're going to shock them. And, like, dude, that's what we're talking about, the fighting fish mentality and the way that he's, he's pumping these guys up. If he's gone, Jose Ureña, thank you so much for everything that you brought to the Miami Marlins. It was cool to see you evolve, grow as a professional. You know what I'm saying? If if, if it's goodbye, thank you. There's no hard grudge, you know. Um, with that being said, that being said, damn it, I lost my chance of thought. Oh, here we go. With that being said, I want to switch it up a little bit and go into a rant. All right. My rant here is. The Marlins made it into the postseason, and I can I can guarantee you it's not just Marlins fans. It's a lot of fans across Major League Baseball whose team made it into the postseason ordered gear off Fanatics MLB shop, right? Go get your Respect Miami shirt. Go get your postseason hat. The Marlins made it to the postseason 2020. Get the nice fitted Miami Marlins hat with the postseason logo on the side, the emblem on the side. Oh, dope. Great. I got it. Boom. I got amped up. A lot of people got it. Postseason's over for the Miami Marlins. And then you get the you get the package, right? And it's like, all right, I got the package. And I open up the package, and it's just one hat. Like, Where the hell are the other hats? Where the hell is the shirt I bought? So as days keep going by, I get one hat. Two days later, I get another hat. I'm still waiting on my shirt. So fanatics, get your shit together, bro. Like people aren't paying extra money, speed shipping for you guys to send the shit when playoffs are over. Like I'm still going to rock my, my gear out, and rightfully so, and respectfully so, and pridefully so. I'm proud of my Marlins, but damn, bro, you guys got to hurry it the hell up. How are you guys MLB, MLB's voice? Like you guys are running like, uh, who's running that department? Rob Manfred? Jesus, what a disaster, dude. And shout out to BreakingTea.com, dude. Breaking Tea. I got my Air Rojas shirt. I got my bottom feeder shirt. And that bottom feeder shirt is so dope and sexy. You walking around, people see the shirt. Like, oh, the bottom feeders. Yeah, baby, the Miami Marlins, bro. Yo, yo, the whole wave is turning, bro. I had friends call me. Like, I had a friend call me from Colorado. He said, yo, the Marlins are something to deal with. They're a nice little team. I respect them. Dude, I'm having people call me from Colorado. I met people out in Washington, D.C. I went to the Capitol last weekend. It was pretty cool. Checked it out. I was really going over there because I was hoping that the Marlins, I could steal some of that magic from the Nationals Park. Yeah, <laughs> So maybe send it out that way. But it didn't work. We got kicked out of the, 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 the playoffs. But it's all right. You know what I'm saying? It's cool that people are starting to recognize the Miami Marlins. And, and, and right, right now, I'm in Georgia. dude. And I know it's Braves country, but there are Florida Marlins fans out here. I've seen teal hats. I've seen like 97 hats. I've seen World Series hats. I've seen Miami Marlins hats. The only hat I haven't seen is that ugly ass orange hat from back in the day, the Loria days. But everything else is like, dude, 
I know you guys are amped up. I can't be the only one that feels amped up. You're walking in some random city. Like, oh, you're walking in, in, in London, and you see some guy wearing a Marlins hat. Yo, nice hat, my guy. I don't care. They look at me crazy. I'm going to dap them up. I'm going to hit them with the, with the, with the elbow because we're not high-fiving during the COVID days. But you know what I'm saying, dude? You know what I'm saying, Eli? Yeah, you're not the only one, though, that had some of a, a bad experience with the merch that you ordered. It was and it, not just ones that came from Fanatics. I think other people that went straight through the MLB shop online, really long delays, you know, that same thing where right in the moment where you actually want this stuff, even if you are the first on board, you know, you get ahead of this stuff when you order it, that uh, the delays just are unacceptable. And that's, yeah, that's, that's too bad. Um, something that they definitely got to fix moving forward. And uh, yeah, shout out to our friends at Breaking Tea. Came up with some great t-shirts for this year. And uh, we're going to keep in partnership with them heading into the offseason. When the Marlins do anything good during the offseason, they make that big trade. They make that big free agent signing. They extend BA, maybe a pay BA shirt. You know, anything that when these big storylines come up during the offseason, we're going to stay on top of it because uh, it's it's a lot of fun. They do a great job over there and really capturing the the emotion that we're all feeling and the energy around the different things going on in the Marlins fan base. It's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been pretty lucky from my standpoint, from the people that are actually going to our website and interacting on our website, that's been way up. We've been pretty lucky with that. You know, some of it's out of your control. Uh, we had some good times in 2019, 2018 during the rebuilds, but when the team is only winning, you know, 30% of its games, 40% of its games, there's only so much to talk about, especially when we get later on in the year, uh, someone you're relying on the team to take that step up. There's no doubt about it. That when the team does better, gives us a lot more material to go into, uh, a lot more ideas on our minds. It gives us, you know, the motivation to start extra podcasts. And uh, so I'm pretty thankful for that, that we just got in the middle of this fun year and were able to ride the wave a little bit and uh, whatever it is, it's going to carry over into 2021. Got pretty lucky from that standpoint. Hell yeah, man. One final thing I wanted to say, I'm thankful to add to everything you said, Eli. I'm thankful for everybody that listens to this podcast that goes out and checks out fishstripes.com. You know what I'm saying? Checks out everything that we do, like checks out our news, our articles, our like our whole, you know what I'm saying? Our whole opinion and everything, bro. Thank you guys for being here, riding the wave with us. You know what I'm saying? I hope you guys, just like the Marlins made it, you proud. I hope we made you proud. I hope we made you laugh. I hope we made you pissed off. I hope, you know what I'm saying, Chuck, or whatever. I hope we influence you to go get some Marlins lagers or whatever type of beer you're drinking. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, this is Marlins barbecue. We're just a couple guys having fun, talking some Marlins baseball, talking some shit, going on rants, and just keeping it one hundo, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we might be a homers from time to time, but who's not, man? Ben Scully's the biggest homer of all time. He, he roots for the Los Angeles. Angeles Dodgers, you know what I'm saying? I think I enjoy transmitting my love and my passion to all of you guys because why? Because I'm a passionate guy. I'm a fiery guy. And you know what I'm saying? The way I feel about my Marlins, I feel like the whole community, Marlins Nation, should feel about them too. So, hey, with that being said, go fish. Eli, you got anything to say, my guy? I'm going to play that music. Yeah, cue the music, baby. 